0: This is an MVP podcast, My Village Productions.
1: Welcome to Unsolved America, a show where we explore unsolved mysteries throughout the United States. I'm your host, Tiffany.
0: And I'm your host, Andy. And each week, we will throw a dart at the map, and wherever it lands is the location of our mystery.
1: This week, we landed on, or on me, I landed on Michigan. We
0: threw the dart together, and it landed on, <laughs> on Michigan
1: love not really we we can't both put our hand on a dart
0: that would be bad
1: and safely throw it
0: yeah i don't trust us
1: all right no with our eyes closed
0: yeah behind our back spun four times
1: I'm no. Yeah,
0: this gets more elaborate every time.
1: Every time we talk about it. Yep. Apparently you're doing more things and I'm missing that. I'll do a backflip. <laughs> okay. Show it to me.
0: Later. Okay. Not, not on camera. <laughs> I'm camera shy.
1: <laughs> um, we are actually gonna talk about some phenomena. Ooh. I I know we talked about the some phenomena last week as well, but
0: might as well. We like it
1: we do like it this is also something that i apparently like the 60s both of these the story in my last story was from the 60s
0: yeah same year sixty six. yeah
1: so i i'm kind of excited about that i didn't realize that until just now
0: i love ufo stories from like the 60s though because that shouldn't be there
1: it shouldn't be there (laughs) because technology was not what it was and so you can't blame it on
0: right Or, like, when you hear about, like, UFO sightings from, like, the 1800s, you're like, beesh, what? Yeah. No.
1: But they didn't call it UFO sightings. They just saw, like, bright lights and fast-moving lights or something. Wild,
0: because they didn't have the term unidentified flying object.
1: Yes. So in March of 1966, a wave of UFO sightings would hit the Ann Arbor region of Michigan. Okay. Okay causing the eyes of the entire country to turn their attention to the Wolverine state.
0: Ooh. I do
1: love the Wolverines.
0: That was some good. That was a good setup there.
1: Yes. <laughs> um, one particular incident over the swamplands of a family run farm would prove to be the most detailed of all sightings on record. And probably one of the, the ones that had the close proximity between the witness and the apparent uh, UFO from oh, okay. the cosmos. Oh. I know, I like these words. <laughs> um, the incidents were perhaps some of the most like credible and multi- multi-witnessed events on record, but it was also given the term swamp, or given rise to the term of swamp gas explanations. And we're going to go into that a little bit because it's totally cover in my eyes. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see.
0: They always say that UFOs, it's just swamp gas. Bish, there is no swamp around here.
1: (laughs) Right. I mean, that's what they were using as like an explanation for these.
0: Government be lying.
1: But, you know, with that many people and that many sightings that we're going to talk about, it's going to kind of be disproven that that's actually a thing. Absolutely. Yeah. So the first reports began to come in the Washingtonawa or Washtenawah County. Sorry. It's a word that I cannot say. Um, and to their police start. Apartments just before four a.m. on the fourteenth of March in nineteen sixty six. There were two deputies, Bushrow and Foster, who would report seeing several dish-shaped objects with star-like colors of red and green. They were moving across the black sky morning with great speed. They also performed extremely sharp turns and, unlike any other aircraft they had seen before. Okay. By 4.04, so this was just before 4 a.m., but by 4.04, the Livingston County Sheriff's Department would confirm the sightings and would send extra patrol cars to those deputies' location. Okay. Within the next 10 minutes, two more police departments also confirmed sightings of strange objects. Okay. And then at 4.20... Boucheron and Foster would report four more objects of the same description. Okay, and just over half an hour later, at four fifty-four a.m., they would report another two objects, all traveling the same route as the original objects. Okay, so they saw multiple objects within an hour. Yeah, and so and they also they saw these lights, and it was darting back and forth. And yeah, I mean, there's no
0: bum bum bum
1: i know there's there's no way that like that can be swamp gas as people were trying to explain but who knows
0: well especially like i get i I can't imagine gas moves that way
1: (laughs) i mean yeah not like that
0: not like quick maneuvering like sharp corners sharp turns like no no way they're lying to you
1: Well, and then the there was a lot of citizens or a lot of like neighborhood people were starting to call into the police department saying that they saw these strange lights as well. And they were high speed. And they also said they were that the Air Force base that was close by, it was called Selfridge, confirmed anomalies over Lake Erie, which was weird. Okay. Yeah. So by 6.15, that same morning, um, the objects appeared to have disappeared and no one saw anything else. Okay. But and Foster made a formal joint statement regarding their sightings. And they said to they claimed that it was the strangest thing we have ever witnessed. And they also said they would have not believed the story if we hadn't seen it for our own eyes. Okay. Bishrow further added to the media that the object would be swinging back and forth like a pendulum, and then it would shoot upwards at a tremendous speed, hovering in mid air before descending in again just as fast. Okay. So he reported that to the media and to the newspapers. Then three days later, on the 17th of March, at a similar time at 425 a.m., Sergeant Newell Schneider and Deputy David Fitzpatrick also witnessed several strange objects hovering and rising in a purposeful fashion in the sky. And then another three days later, things got a little bit more weird.
0: How? How did it get more weird?
1: (laughs) On the evening of the 20th, this was probably one of the most well-known stories about the wave of UFO sightings on record. There was a farmer named Frank Manor who was returning home following his uh, usual nighttime walk that he took with his dog. Okay. He planned some quality time that night with his wife and son and was looking forward to eating dinner and all of that sort of stuff. And as he entered his property, he noticed a strange light in the sky. It was a considerable distance away, so he really didn't think anything of it. Okay. Okay. But after he started to look at it more, um, he shut the front door and went inside and thought no more of it. But then their dog started to begin to bark like heavily. Like he was obviously mad and I don't, yeah, he, something was happening. Yeah. And after several minutes of that, Frank and his son, Ron would go outside to investigate. And they wanted to calm the dog down as well. The The dog was just really, really worked up and just was continuing to bark the entire time. And as soon as they stepped out to the front yard, they could see the strange light above them. Uh, the lights were a lot closer than when Frank first saw them when he got home. And he noticed that it was actually coming down and descending upon them. Oh, no. So the pair... Uh, ron and or yeah frank and ron um stood still and they braced themselves because they thought that they were gonna there was gonna be an impact onto them or onto the ground okay um and he they thought they are there will be aftershocks as well after they hit the ground after the object hit the ground Mm -hmm. and then the object stopped Red remained motionless above them, over the treetops in the woodland area, opposite of where the Manor family house was. So it came down really, really fast and then just stopped. Okay. Um, they would describe it as a domed oval with a quilted or waffled exterior. Lights also flashed from the middle and at each end of the dome. Okay. After several minutes, Frank quickly raced inside. Um, the, uh, The UFO or object was still in the sky hovering, and he called the police department to report the sighting. Then he and Ron also went back outside towards the swamps to where the strange craft came down. The two police officers who received the call to investigate the strange light over Frank's farm were deputies Stanley McFadden and David Fitzpatrick. Okay. They would pull up in their patrol car near the land and then proceeded on foot to the swampy grounds. Okay. It wasn't long before they too witnessed the strange lights for themselves. So, like, there is multiple people. Yeah. Seeing this. Yeah. And it's not that just one crazy person that calls and says, I was abducted by aliens. Like, multiple people. Yeah. seeing this within like a i think five days or yeah well no like eight days they are seeing this so many sightings of these lights that were darting all around uh but this one like i said is the most intense story recorded okay just because not only was it seen by police departments um or deputies and also a family
0: okay
1: um So on the other side of this, when they got up to the swampland, Frank and Ron were significantly closer to the lights. And so the deputies went up to them and realized that Ron and Frank were so close that they could actually see it was a solid object in the sky. Okay. Frank would estimate it to be the size of a car with a cone shaped top and a flat underside. And it appeared directly in front of them, seemingly out of nowhere okay the whole area around them lit up as if someone had suddenly turned on a switch for a light and caught them in a searchlight so it was like they had a spotlight on frank and ron
0: Ugh.
1: i know no and then a strange mist appeared out of nowhere from its like the bottom of the object and it changed from green to red to white and then had an intense glow of the craft's craft lights okay <laughs> i know you love ufo stories i do i'm right? like fascinated i know right you now. should see his eyes <laughs> then out of nowhere it just vanishes oh. a few seconds later God. it appeared again with equal suddenness but in a different spot than where it was just a few seconds before and this continued several times before the craft then just took off so it was like going dark going to a new spot turning on lights and it happened numerous times, and then it just like Disappear. left. Yeah, and like unbeknownst to Frank and Ron, it passed directly over the officers of McFadden and Fitzpatrick. And then about a few hours later, at ten thirty, the fo- oh uh, sorry, not a few hours later, the next day at ten thirty p.m., a student at the New Women's Dormitory in Hillsdale College would report that a strange craft had descended over their dorm before disappearing. The student would report the strange object had flashing lights of red, green, and white, just like Frank and Ron stated. Okay. And there were also 16 other students, one-six of who had also witnessed this aircraft and witnessed this incident at 1030 at night. I don't know why so many college kids were up at 1030 at night. We know why. I mean, We yes. know why. Yes. <laughs> Half an hour later, that student contacted the Civil Defense Office stating that the, there was a strange craft and it suddenly appeared and then disappeared and then reappeared. And now it was hovering close to the ground near the dorms. This person that answered the Civil Defense uh, phone was director for Hillside County. Okay. His name was William Vaughn. Horn and he notified the police department who actually sent 3 patrol cars okay. to the location and then Van Horn actually went himself to the dorm to see what was going on
0: okay. and
1: how these events were unfolding okay when he got there he was taken to a room where the sightings were made When he looked outside the window, he saw a strange object hovering in a hollow on the ground. Okay. He noticed a dim orange light that would grow brighter and eventually it turned red and then full on white.
0: Okay. Whoa.
1: (laughs) There's a lot of lights and colors going on here. The object then started to move, rising slightly in the air and still hovering, and then descending again. And as it moved, the glow allowed him to make out that it was a very solid structure as well. Okay. Both Van Horn and several of the students and staff remained there observing the bizarre movements of this glowing aircraft or craft. And then the last sighting came around 4.30 a.m. when it simply just disappeared. OK, so whatever took place in the skies of Michigan during that week from the 14th to the 21st was just really, really weird. Yeah, I, it was just that week. So what was funny and what we were talking about before is that people started to say this was swamp gas and how I, I don't know how there were so many sightings.
0: Can swamp gas turn red and green <laughs> and white
1: on I know. a whim? <laughs> right. It, it's so weird. It's so weird. I'm, I mean, the moon is only going to light up gas. I'm thinking of like swamp gas as like fog in my eyes. I don't yeah. know. You know, and so fog doesn't change colors. Right. And I don't know.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Unless there's something like some chemical in the swamp that does give off like maybe a different color, like when it meets oxygen or something. I don't know.
1: I don't know science
0: me neither if that's how that works explain it to us because i don't know
1: right i don't know but the weird thing is that there were so many people that saw it and they had actually really like they had people see it close up rather than just far away and they described with such detail what this like
0: well they said it's a solid mass like it's not it's not a gas
1: right And what's also weird is that they looked at those days, the 20th and the 21st of March, Uh and there was particularly strong winds that those two nights okay, or that night or whatever. And there would have been no way for gas to just like be standstill and there. For that long. For that long and changing colors. It like would have been dissipated by the wind or blown away. Yeah. So... I don't know how or why they think that's normal or why they think that would be a good explanation. Yeah, I don't know. There is also higher than normal levels of radiation in the area and the presence of boron okay. at the locations of the farm and the college where the sightings happened. So that's kind of weird, yeah. right? Also, what's even more weird is the official Swamp Explanation The insight that was offered by the county sheriff three decades later, he would recall a conversation with someone named Hynek in the immediate moments before the official explanation was given. And according to Harvey, he and Hynek were speaking of the strange sightings in the sheriff's office. The investigator declared that it was his view that the sightings were very much worth further investigation. And then he had no idea what the witnesses had seen but he believed they had witnessed something because there were so many of them okay their conversation was actually interrupted when heinic received a phone call which will last for quote unquote quite a while and then when that conversation ended heinic suddenly stated that the witnesses had se- what the witnesses had seen was swamp gas and so no one talked about this until This man got a phone, a mysterious phone call.
0: Here come the (laughs) men in black, Uh, uh, galaxy (laughs) defenders.
1: Woo! (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then Hynek also placed a phone call to Washington, D.C., where he gave his official statement. Okay. And according to Douglas Harvey, somebody has kept something quiet this whole time. Okay. Yeah. So that was the UFO sightings of M- Michigan in March of 1966. And then there was nothing in that area that was notated or whatnot. But okay. it's so crazy how many sightings and how many people saw these strange lights within a week.
0: I don't trust it.
1: I know. I don't either. Hmm. Thank you for listening to this episode of Unsolved America. Head on over to Facebook and Instagram and follow us at Unsolved America MVP.
0: And be sure to subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast platform. If you need to contact us, please email unsolvedamerica MVP at gmail.com and we'll talk to you next week. This has been an MVP podcast by Village Productions.